Well, so good to have you here this morning. Happy Father's Day. Let's give a hand for all of our fathers. Everyone has a father, so it's a day worth honoring fathers. And I'm really excited that we're continuing this series. Um, We're talking about the elephant in the room. And this is kind of a phrase we use in our culture for an awkward topic that needs to be addressed. Everyone kind of knows that it's a problem or that it's there. And a lot of times we avoid talking about these things because it's awkward. Last week we talked about racism. And we saw clearly from scripture that God wants us to love one another. And it doesn't matter your background, your ethnicity, where you come from, or what language you speak. We're supposed to love each other the way that we want to be loved. And we said, matter of fact, this church is a place of love where everyone will be welcomed regardless of where they come from, their skin color, how much money they make, their status in society. And this church said, Yes, I am committed to unity and to love. So that was awesome. I just thought it was an amazing day. And even talking about a a topic like racism, at the end of the day, 16 people that I know have made the decision to give their life to Jesus. Isn't that good? So last week was kind of an awkward topic, but if I'm being truthful, most of the people in the room would say, well, I'm not racist, so yeah, yeah, you tell them, pastor. Pastor. Today we're talking about a subject that applies to all of us, and so I can promise you that this will be much more awkward. (laughs) Happy Father's Day, but you're going to love it. We're going to talk today about the subject, submission. Submission and authority. And we're going to start out by looking at Romans 13. It says, everyone must submit to governing authorities for All authority comes from God, and those in a position of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority, rebellion is the opposite of submission, mind you. They're rebelling against what God has instituted, and look what this says, and they will be punished. This is brutal, right? I mean, this is like one of my top five least favorite verses in the whole Bible, I'm just being honest. You can laugh at that. Like, it's okay. Like, sometimes you read a passage and you're like, man, I really wish the Bible did not say this. Like, I know, I know, it's, I know it's from God. I know it's for my good, but I don't like it. And I, I'm having a hard time with it. This is, this is really tough. And some of you, you hear the word submission and you're already mad at me. Like, just right now, I can, I can tell. Like, the hackles on the back of your neck standing up. You're getting frustrated. You don't like the word even, submission. You're like, ooh, no, get it off of me. I don't like this. What we see is that this is a difficult subject for people, and people wrestle with submission to authority. So if you struggle with this, um, stick with me till the end. And the more upset that this word submission makes you, the more that proves that you need to hear this sermon, okay? So what you're going to see is that all authority comes from God. All authority comes from God for our blessing and for our protection. That was the purpose of authority. So submission to any authority is actually submission to God. And honestly, when you understand biblical submission, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Now, of course, we know that sin has corrupted what God designed to be a blessing. 
And that is the theme and the pattern for all the topics we'll probably discuss in this series. That that God's design was perfect and for our benefit, but that sin corrupted God's design. And then we can see the good news is that through Jesus, we can be restored to the blessings that God has for us. So that's great news. As difficult as these topics get, we know that there's hope, that there's grace, and that God loves us even when we don't deserve it. So what we see is that sin corrupts the beauty of submission, and it twists it. And that's what our enemy, Satan, wants to do. He twists what God made beautiful. He makes submission a a twisted, corrupted, um, humiliating, uh, and degrading thing. That's what he wants to do. Sin also corrupts authority. And that's why we see abusive authority who take advantage of their position and they take advantage of people. That's because of sin. And we're going to talk about that, some specifics later about how authority can be abusive and how that plays into this. Then we see how sin causes us to rebel against authority. That's what happened with Lucifer in heaven. He rebelled against the authority of God, and that's what happened with Adam and Eve. They rebelled against the authority of God, and that's really why we struggle with this today. We just naturally find ourselves struggling with submission to authority, and some of us more than others. Like, like my wife, she's kind of a, like a rule follower. You know what I mean? Like, I hated those people growing up. They just naturally follow the rules. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And I'm there like getting in trouble, getting my butt whooped all the time, getting sent to detention because I was a little rebel. And man, this, this topic is convicting and it will cause you to chew on it. You'll wrestle with this, I hope, and, and it will leave here with you and you'll be chewing on this for days. And even as I was getting ready to preach this sermon to you, I was still repenting to God for all the times that I was a rebellious kid and a rebellious student. God bless my teachers. I put them through hell. And I love you, mom, because you deserve, you deserve a lot of thanks. Scripture commands us to submit to authority, and it's awkward, because it doesn't say submit to authority if you agree with them. It doesn't say submit to authority if you like your authority and you think they deserve to be in authority. It says submit to all authority as a way of submitting to God. Now, I'll just say right up front, we acknowledge this. Because of sin, you will suffer under abusive authority. It's a fact, because you've got parents who are in authority over you, and they wrestle with sin, so there's times they blew it. There's bosses, there's government officials who've sinned, and they blew it. And so we all suffer under authority, but we all know that that's a problem. We all know that authority should not abuse their position of power, right? So we know that. I'm not going to spend this whole sermon talking about all the caveats and all the ways that authority abuses their power. Because listen, as Americans, our main problem is not that authority abuses its power, our Our main problem is our own rebellious hearts. We just got to acknowledge that. Because we are probably the most anti-authoritarian and independent people who have ever lived in the history of the world. I mean, during the Revolutionary War, one of their flags said, don't tread on me. In other words, don't tell me what to do, right? I mean, this is, a, this is our country and our culture, so we wrestle with this especially, especially. It's a problem. How many of you guys have seen UFC? 
UFC, you can admit this in church, like no one's judging you, okay, or gals, thank you, I, I know some of you girls, you love UFC, it's all right, you like to see some, some people throw down, okay, um, we'll pray for you, I'm just kidding, I love it too, and when I was in the army, you know, we did combatives, and, and maybe you've done mixed martial arts, or you've watched UFC, and you see that one of the, the coolest and most final moves is if you get somebody in the rear naked choke, Rear naked choke. Basically, you get them in that choke hold, and they're going night-night, right? Can I get a volunteer? No, I'm just kidding. Um, there's some people I'd like to choke out in this church. Just kidding. I'm kidding. Totally. And uh, see, we know that when you get help, you got caught in the, a move like that, you've really got one option. The chances of you getting out of it are pretty slim. All you can really do is tap out and submit and say, you know, I give up. And hopefully, you know, if you're just in training, that guy's going to let you go. Because, I mean, otherwise you're going to get passed out. And it's, it's brutal, right? And, and that's not the type of submission that we're talking about. Because worldly submission is imposed on you. But biblical submission comes from within you. It's an attitude that says, I want to yield. I want to honor your authority. And, and I'm not just doing it because I have to. I'm doing it because I want to. So the fight is over, right? We're not going to fight. We're going to look at some of the layers of authority that God puts over you in your life for your blessing and protection. And we're going to struggle with some of these topics a little more than others, okay? First, I want to look at authority in the family. Here's what we see throughout scripture that Children are supposed to submit to your parents. All right, this service amens a little better. Like two people, last service it was nobody. And I'm like, come on, I thought you were going to be pumped about this. Right, like I, I, I want you to let them hear it in kids' church. The whole amen. And they're like, what's going on in there? And anyways, so kids are supposed to submit to their parents. Ephesians says this, children Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. The reason that this commandment comes with a promise is because honoring your father and mother sets a pattern in your life of honoring authority. God thought this was so important that he made it number five of his Ten Commandments. And you got to realize, it's not really about just honoring your mother and father. It's actually about honoring authority and learning how to honor authority from a young age. Because by doing that, you learn how to honor all authority, which is ultimately honoring God. And what God wanted you to know and to teach your kids is that learning to honor authority will set you on a path of blessing and success in your life. If you don't get this when you're young, I mean, it's only going to get worse the older you get and the more independent you get. By honoring parents, we understand that we learn how to submit to authority. So what, what you see is that when you're young, when you're very young children, they should learn to obey their parents without question. Obey, obey, obey. And then as you grow older and more independent, they should develop an attitude of honor towards their parents, which then transitions into an honor towards all authority. Yet we all know that kids will naturally rebel against authority because they're terrible little sinners. Amen. And that's why we want to discipline children, because we love them, all right? Now, maybe you had a, a parent that was very harsh, 
in the way that he disciplined. And so you shy away from disciplining your kids because you don't want to repeat that and you want them to like you. But listen, what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 13 is that those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. It says that those who love their children care enough to discipline them. The goal of disciplining your children is to teach them that rebellion is bad news, that you won't like it. And that's why I'm a fan of spanking, right? You guys are weird. Why are you clapping for that? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) See, because it's so much better to have your fanny sting for a few minutes than to suffer the results of rebellion for years and years and maybe for eternity. Amen? So it's important to discipline your kids because you love them. Now, but listen, parents, there's some challenge for you here in this, okay? We want to teach your kids to honor authority and to obey, but you can make it a lot easier for your kids to submit to your authority if you will allow them to see your submission to the authority in your life. Because kids have like a hypocrisy sensor, you know? So if you're always talking trash about authority in your life, but then you turn around and tell your kids to honor you and obey your, they're just learning uh, contradictory messages there, right? So you can make it easier for your kids to honor and obey you by showing them that you have a genuine and sincere love for the Lord. Here's the next thing I want you to understand. In the family, the Bible says, wives, submit to your husbands. Here's where it gets really awkward. There's a lot of wives in this room that are already hating me. You're planning the email you're going to send me after church. Right now in your mind, you're thinking, my husband better not get any ideas. Right? Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. It says, for wives, this is addressed to you wives. This means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as wives should submit to, or rather, as Christ is the head of the church, he is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Okay, this is very challenging. It can be very difficult. But it says that your husband is the head of you, of your family, the same way that Christ is the head of the church. And it doesn't say, husbands, to make your wives submit. Okay? It's not a command to you. This is a command to wives. It's addressed to, it's addressed to you, wives. For husbands, you get your own command. Love your wives as Christ loved the church, which is big. It's a big load. Right? But for wives, addressed to you, you need to develop in your own heart an attitude of submission to your husband as the leader of your family. Okay, this means that you're going to honor him and respect his position of leadership in your family. Now, many wives will struggle with this issue. Okay, they will struggle with this and it comes out in different forms. Sometimes a wife will try to be the one who leads her family. It's not the way God designed it. Even if your husband is not stepping up to be a strong leader, right? He's still the leader of your family. He might be be acting like a bad leader, but he's still a wife is not supposed to be the one that leads her family. And then we'll see sometimes where wives will disrespect their husbands. And I see this happen all the time. Usually it's with a joking attitude or tone of voice where a wife will say, oh, he can't do anything for himself. 
He's such a goober, right? In public, disrespecting him, even with joking, that is not honoring or respectful, and it's not going to be a blessing to your husband. Or one of the most common things we'll see is that wives will emotionally manipulate their husbands. Oh, you girls know what I'm talking about right now. Because you know how to manipulate your husband. You know how to get your way. You know how to push his buttons and to nag or to sigh or to cry. And, and you're trying to control him and manipulate him. And God says this is not going to bless you or your family. We have a lot of godly women in this church who could tell you how great it is to live in biblical submission to her husband. And, and it creates peace in your home. It creates security, honoring and a godly husband as the leader of your home. And then you girls who understand this, ladies, you have girlfriends who you know, you know which ones don't do this. You know which one of your girlfriends don't do this. And you've seen the chaos that it causes, right? And listen, wives, you got free will. You can do whatever you want, all right? You can choose to dishonor your husband you can try to lead or disrespect him or emotionally manipulate him. But listen, eventually you will find yourself in an unhappy marriage or a former marriage if you're not already. God's plan is for husbands to lead their families as, and, and serve their families the way that Christ loved the church and served the church. And I would ask this to a, a wife who is also a mother I mean, of course, you have to think about this, right? If you don't honor and submit to your husband as the leader of your family, how do you expect your children to honor and submit to your leadership and authority as a parent, right? They, they can smell hypocrisy. If a husband is not a believer or follower of Jesus, or if he's not present in the home, a wife can, can get spiritual counsel from her pastors. So there's where the church comes in to offer assistance to single moms or to a, a wife who does not have a Christian husband. Your pastors can help give you spiritual counsel if you need that. And listen, now I wanna encourage and challenge the husbands. If you're a husband and you're pulling rank on your wife, you're doing it wrong. If you're having to pull rank all the time, you're probably doing it wrong, okay? Because the Bible also says that husbands and wives should submit to one another. And what that means is there should be an attitude in your marriage of you go first. No, you go first. No, after you. No, I insist. <laughs> right? Like, like I, my wife would be like, I'll put the dishes away. And I'm like, no, I'll put the dishes away. You sit there, watch Gilmore Girl reruns on Netflix, and I will put the No, I will... Right, Right? And so there's this attitude of mutual submission and service to one another. And yet, at the same time, more than one thing can be true at the same time. A husband is the leader of his family. Now, husbands, you can make it easier for your wife to submit to your leadership by being a godly man. You just make it so much e How much easier is it to honor a leader and their authority when you know that they really love the Lord and they want to do the right thing? So listen, husbands, be a man who is easy to submit to. Be a man filled with the Holy Spirit, who studies the word of God, who takes the lead in the spiritual health of his family saying, oh, we're going to church. Like, oh, football season's on? That's what DVR is for. We're going to church, son. 
right? You lead the way. You establish the spiritual climate of your family and you're responsible to God for your leadership and the spiritual health of your family. You will give an account. Now let's talk about authority outside the home. Here's what we hear. Citizens, submit to your government. This is pretty much like just really difficult. And I know that, especially like I said, Americans were very independent. We're anti-authoritarian by nature. And we know that the government has issues is putting it a nice way, right? And so it's difficult to, to obey this command from scripture. But I would tell you this, if you think our government is bad, just go visit the governments of like Somalia or the Sudan or North Korea. And then you'll realize that on our worst day, we're very blessed. Amen. You got to realize, like, even when government abuses its power, that does not give us an exemption from Romans 13, verse 1. When it says submit to authority, that all government is authority established by God, this passage was written under the tyrannical reign of emperors like Nero and Claudius and Caligula, who were torturing Christians and burning them at the stake and doing terrible things. And yet Paul said we're supposed to honor authority as we honor God. I mean, that's, it's difficult. It's difficult. But it's what God says in his word. And it's especially difficult because in our culture, we kind of idolize rebels, don't we? Like Bruce Springsteen and like, you know, the, the rebels in Star Wars. And like, there's like, the more rebellious you are, the more we kind of cheer you on in our culture. But listen, Christians, as citizens, God did not call you to blow up the Death Star, okay? It's not your responsibility. Our responsibility is to honor authority. Now, as citizens who are Christians, we should pray for our authority, not blast them on Facebook. And we're some of the worst at that. I mean, Christians on social media talking trash about governing officials. I mean, it's out of control. We're supposed to pray for our authority. But listen, here's the great thing. We have the privilege of voting in our country. So if you don't agree with your authority's decisions, you get the chance to vote them out of office. How great is that? So take advantage of that. But pray for your authority and submit to government officials. Here's the next thing. Um, employees, submit to your employers. Man, how many of you ha have struggled to submit to an unfair boss or a harsh boss? It's difficult. We see this in Ephesians. It says, slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. So this is addressing this employee-employer relationship. It says, serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm, with passion. As though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Okay, so here's what this says. We want to work at our jobs and serve our bosses and our employers um, the way that we would work for Jesus Christ himself. That's heavy, man. That's, that's difficult. But, I mean, this is what the Bible tells you. You go into work. Man, you mop that floor like you're mopping Jesus' floor, right? You answer those calls like you're doing it on behalf of the Lord, not just when your boss is watching you, but all the time. Do it sincerely and with enthusiasm. 
Okay, isn't that crazy? Not fake, not fake enthusiasm, sincere enthusiasm. And listen, if you'll do this, you will advance. You will be blessed and you will be rewarded. If you want to stay a low wage earner and never get responsibility, just dishonor authority at your workplace. Be that difficult employee, you know? Only do the right thing when you're being watched. That's a great way to just ensure you'll never get more responsibility. But if you want to advance and be promoted and be blessed, submit to your authority and serve them the way that you would serve the Lord. And what we see in scripture is that you will be recognized, you will be rewarded, and you will be promoted. I guarantee it. Now, again, we want to challenge uh, anyone who is a boss or a manager. Um, You do reap what you sow. Right? If you're an employer, remember, if you give mercy, you will receive mercy. We want to be gentle and loving even in the workplace. Okay, let's talk about this. Authority in the church. It says in scripture that Christians should submit to your pastors. Wasn't expecting a lot of amens there either. People are like freaking out right now. Is this going to become some weird cult thing? What's going to happen? Here's what we see. Hebrews chapter 13. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So that is perhaps the most ignored scripture verse in the New Testament. It is, it is, uh, because most pastors are too afraid to preach that, and most people are too rebellious to receive it. I mean, it's difficult, right? So what we see is that God gives us pastors to bless us and protect us and give us spiritual guidance from the Word of God, okay, from the Bible, okay? So a pastor should not come at you with his opinion, for what you should do in your life. He's not gonna come flexing his authority, telling you what he thinks you should do. I, as a pastor, I'm not gonna do that. I don't, I don't have an opinion about if it's not in the word of God, okay? So if a lady comes to me and she's like, you know, I like two guys and they're both Christians. Which one should I choose? I'm like, which one doesn't live with his mom? No, I, 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 like, I don't have an opinion, either one. But if there is a problem and there is a clear scriptural precedent, I will come and address that. I will give you guidance based on that. And what Paul tells us in 2 Timothy, um, for pastors and elders, as the Bible calls them a lot of times, it says, preach the word, okay, patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage. So patiently correct, the word correct there, it carries the idea of teaching a child and offering guidance, um, and you're supposed to do it patiently. That's the part I have to pray about sometimes. And then it says rebuke, which is essentially like laying the smack down, like you're way off course, man, right? And then it says encourage, which is saying, hey, you can do it, stick with it, you can do even better, come on, God is for you, and that all of that should come from the Bible, okay? All that should come from the word of God. So as a Christian in a church, you can carry your Bible with you. And if you hear something from your pastor, I invite you and encourage you, open up your Bible, double check what you're seeing, right? And if your pastor ever gets off course from the word of God and starts talking craziness, that's your invitation to bail. 
But most Christians, especially in America, are not going to do this. Oh, they'll like you if you encourage them, right? That part they're cool with. But if you offer correction or training uh, or rebuke, um, then it's like, see ya, I'm going to go find another church where the pastor doesn't know my name or my problems. That's a lot easier, right? It is a lot easier, but it's not helpful. It's destructive behavior because you take your problems with you. And, and, and I want to say this. If you find a Bible-teaching pastor who you trust and submit yourself to his spiritual authority in your life, you will generally have a good life. It, it's just, you just will, right? So find a pastor that you trust and honor him, submitting to his authority in your life. This is what God has for us. But also understand that pastors, the Bible says, will be judged with the highest level of scrutiny. Jesus is going to sit down with pastors on judgment day and let's, say, let's see how you managed my church. So pray for me, okay? Because, like, that's pretty heavy. And you'll be laying in bed at night like, man, should I be praying for someone right now? Like, I don't know. Like, is it okay to watch Netflix right now? Like, I'm kind of tired. But should I be, like, ministering to someone or reading the Bible? It's a big deal. It's difficult. And so you know this, man. I, I need to pray for my pastor. I need to, to love him and appreciate his position in my life. It's supposed to be a blessing, and it's supposed to be for my own protection, Okay, now, so this, this talk about submission, it, it's difficult. Some of you are listening to this this morning, and you're very uncomfortable right now. And, and, and you're squirming, and you're struggling, and in your brain you're going, yeah, but what about this, and what about that, and what about these exceptions? And we're going to talk about some of that, okay? So here's what I want you to understand. Submission does not require blind obedience, if anyone in authority comes and commands you to do something um, that is in direct contradiction to God's word, you have permission to disobey that command. It's very clear. And we see examples of that in scripture. We see uh, in Daniel chapter 3, these three Jewish boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those are some good baby names, by the way. Um, they're told to bow down and worship an idol. And they're like, uh, sorry, king, um, all respect, but we can't do it. It's not happening. And then in Acts chapter 4, you see Peter and John, the disciples, they're commanded to stop preaching Jesus Christ. And they're like, rulers and elders of the people, sorry, can't stop, won't stop. Got to preach Jesus. But you realize that you can be disobedient with a submissive attitude, Honestly, you can say, hey, I still respect your position of authority, but I cannot obey you because God has already said this. And that goes for um, marriage as well. If your husband is, is trying to lead you towards something that is foolish or in contradicting God's word, you can say, hey, we got we to gotta stop. Talk about this. I'm not just going to follow you off the side of a cliff. Here's the next thing I want you to understand. Authority does not imply superiority. Just because a, a person is in a position of authority, he is not or she is not superior to you. And we can see this and prove it from the Trinity that Jesus said, I am in submission to the Father, but he is in no way inferior to the Father. Okay, so we know that the Holy Spirit said that I'm going to say what I've been told to say, but he is not inferior to the Father or the Son. Authority does not imply superiority, but, listen to this, authority does demand greater responsibility and accountability. 
God never grants authority so that the one in authority can take advantage of the people under his authority at their expense. A leader who is in a position of authority is called to be the highest level servant. That's really how it's supposed to look. The higher your position of authority is, the more responsibility you have to serve those under your authority and the more accountable you are for the authority God has given you. So parents, you're going to be accountable to God for how you raise your kids. So make it a priority to get them to church. Make it a priority to show them how the word of God um, affects their life. Make it a priority to model the gospel for them. When you blow it, you can ask them for forgiveness and say, hey, I love you. I shouldn't have done that. Um, Please forgive me. A a husband is accountable for how he leads his wife. Okay, so um, if there's a problem in my family and Jesus Christ comes knocking at the door, he's going to say, hi, Amy, nice to see you. Where's Ryan? And then he's going to throw down, right? Because I'm accountable. Uh, employers are accountable for how they treat their employees. Pastors are accountable for how they lead um, in their church. It is serious, and it's a heavy weight. Here's what I want you to understand. Rebellion is not a momentary decision. It's a path you walk down. You're not going to just wake up one day and find yourself in rebellion to authority. This is a process that you go through. And here's what it looks like. First, you become independent, okay? So an independent spirit, you're independent. And, and this is the kind of person that says like, well, yeah, I know that um, we're all supposed to do this, but I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go do this, right? And it, and it kind of could seem innocent in some ways. Like, I, I'm just gonna go my own way. I'm gonna do my own thing. I know that we're supposed to do that. I know that they said everyone's gonna do this, but yeah, I, I'm just, I'm gonna do my own thing. It just kind of starts there. Uh, second, you're offended, The path to rebellion, it always involves offense. So someone offends you, right? Your boss, how dare he give that guy a promotion? I've been here longer, and that starts the process. Or your pastor, right? Like, he didn't shake my hand. It's because he doesn't like me, right? I do. I love you. I I love you. But people get offended, and that, that becomes a problem. There's offense. There's unforgiveness. Third, you become passive. Passive resistance, And this is what it sounds like. Well, fine, do whatever you want, right? Or this happens in marriage a lot of times. Like, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it. I'm just, I'm just not gonna participate. Like, just, I'll just check out. I won't participate. I'm passive. Fourth, you're critical. So you start to think critical thoughts about those in authority over you. You start to criticize everything they do. Oh man, he's not a very good father. If he did, he would do this. Um, He's not a good husband. If he did, he would do this. Uh, That guy's not a good uh, boss. He he would do this. This pastor doesn't really love God or else he would do this. And so you're critical. And some of you, you live in this state. You're constantly thinking critical thoughts of everyone in authority over you. Oh, what a joker. Oh, what a fool. Uh, that guy doesn't know what he's doing, right? And, and so if you're at this point of being critical, I would say um, it's still very hopeful for you to, to make a turnaround and repent of this thinking and, and to move back into a heart of submission. Because when you go past this point, it starts to get kind of bloody. Fifth, you're political. You're critical and then you become political, and this is when the, the cooler conversations start and you're like, man, can you believe that he did that? Man, can you, can, you, can you believe that we're doing this? Like, I just think we should be doing that. Like, oh man, this guy doesn't know what he's doing, does he? You know, oh, shh, here he comes, right? 
And you start to try to form a faction and political behavior is trying to get people on your side to rebel with you against authority. And you've seen this happen. It happens in churches. It happens in the workplace. It even happens in families. The sixth step is you're deceived. You're full-scale deceived. And at this point, you're likely to have no chance of seeing the truth unless, you know, there's some kind of miracle in your heart. You're just deceived to the truth. You're convinced that what you're doing is the right thing and that you're actually acting on God's behalf in your rebellion. You hear it all the time, right? Then here's the seventh step. You're a full-scale rebel. You're a rebel, right? You're actually leading the rebellion at this point. You're trying to overthrow your authority. You're trying to rise up and and take them out of power or start your own thing. And then eight, you're destroyed. It's always the final step of rebellion is destruction. And you see this in scripture. Every rebel in scripture is ultimately destroyed, happens to Lucifer, happens to Judas, um, and it happened to Absalom, David's son. And God says that rebellion is as witchcraft, and the punishment for witchcraft in the Old Testament was execution. God isn't messing around. And if you go to your grave in a state of rebellion against God, you're destroyed, right? So destruction is a very real threat. It's, It's very serious, and that's why I'm being so brutally honest about this. Now, I want to show you a dial, a dial of submission and rebellion. Because there's going to be some times where in your life you don't know how to handle a situation. Maybe you have an authority figure in your life who is kind of walking a gray line and you don't really know how to handle it. Or maybe you just don't know how to handle a situation and you're thinking like, what should I do? Like, how should I handle this? Should I, should I kind of rise up? Should I, should I walk out? Should I submit? I don't know. It is difficult sometimes to know how to handle a situation. But here's what I want you to think about. Based on what you see in scripture, if you'll err on the side of submission, the worst thing that will happen is that you'll be blessed by God and you'll be protected. Put that picture back up of that dial. If you err on the side of submission, you'll be blessed And the authority who may be abusing you will be judged by God. And you have that assurance. If you err on the side of rebellion, you risk your own destruction. So I want to think about that as someone who lives under authority. That, man, I need to live with an attitude of submission. I know that God will bless me and protect me when I have a heart of submission. Here's a final thing I want you to know as we have been discussing this difficult subject. The ironic thing about this topic is like many things in the kingdom of God, it kind of works backwards from what you would think. With God, submission sets you free. We all kind of think of submission as something that constricts. But with God, submission actually increases your freedom. We think about this in terms of the law and grace. In the Old Testament, men lived under the law and there was hundreds of regulations and rules for things they had to do because when you have an unsubmissive heart, you need lots of rules. You, ha- you know, your, your authority has to give you rules for every possible thing that you could think to do wrong because we're all naturally looking for loopholes and, and we're trying to do the minimum that we can get away with. And when you have a heart of submission, you need very few guiding principles. 
And so when Jesus came and he established a covenant of grace, the idea is like, well, I'm going to submit my life to Jesus. And when I have an attitude of submission, I want to honor him and I want to follow him. And guess what? You don't need hundreds and hundreds of rules. You basically need two rules. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. If you understand those two commandments, what Jesus said are the greatest commandments, you really don't need the rest of the law. That's why he said this summarizes all the law. Submitting sets you free from the law and submission sets you free from sin. When we're um, in a state of rebellion against God, we're, we're trapped by sin, we're restricted by sin, we're on a one-way ticket to destruction, but when we submit our lives to Jesus Christ, we are set free from the chains of sin. This is what's incredible about scripture. It says in Philippians chapter two that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So that means that every single person who has ever lived will bow their knee to Jesus and recognize his authority. The question is, will you bow willingly or against your will? Will you choose to bow or will you be forced to bow? Because those who are forced to bow will recognize him, but it'll be too late. Those who choose to bow will enjoy all the blessing that comes from serving the Lord. And what's ironic about Jesus is that when you bow your knee to him, he actually lifts you up. He raises your status. He blesses your life. We see this awesome example I want to read to you as we close. Matthew chapter 8. It's a really cool story. It says that when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. There's only two times in the New Testament that it says Jesus was amazed. One time is when a city of people did not acknowledge his authority as the son of God. And one time is when this soldier acknowledged his authority as the son of God. That's what this passage is actually about. It's not really about healing. It's about recognizing that Jesus is the son of God, that he is God and saying, I see your authority. I don't need you to come to my house. I just need you to speak it. This is the only guy who's ever Jesus juked Jesus, right? Jesus was like, I'll come to your house and heal this guy. And he's like, no, you don't need to, you're God. And Jesus was like, what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? This is amazing. I love it. And see, when we recognize the authority of Jesus Christ, it changes our whole life. It's crazy to think that on the cross, that the soldiers who crucified Jesus were mocking his authority. Above him hung a sign that said, King of the Jews. And it was meant to be mockery of his position. But Jesus has the last word, doesn't he? First, he rises from the grave and proves that he has authority over death. And then we see that he's coming back again in all glory and power. And his kingdom that he will establish on this earth will never end. And so you want to be on his side? You want to be one of his followers. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads this morning. 
Because listen, the most important thing that we all have to choose to do in our lives before we can really break free from sin is choose to submit our lives to God. And the way that we do that is saying, you know, I can't save myself and I'm done trying to rebel against God and do it my own way. Now I'm gonna stop doing it my own way. I'm gonna submit my life to you, Lord, and I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna do what you've called me to do. So you're saying, God, I know that I've sinned and I believe that Jesus made it possible for me to be forgiven. So maybe you're here today and you've never done that Or maybe you did it a long time ago when you were young, but you've been living in a state of rebellion against God. And right now the Holy Spirit is speaking that to you. And you're saying like, hey, I need to make a change. The great news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that there is grace for you and it's never too late to give your life back to God and submit your life to him. So there's hope no matter what you've done or where you've been, there is hope. And if you've never made this decision, it will be the best decision you've ever made. There's a sinfulness inside of us that tries to get us to resist submitting to God. I can do it better myself. But when we finally submit, it's when we experience the new and full life that God has for us, which is the best life. So if you're here this morning and you need to take that step and you're ready to submit your life to God, I'm gonna invite you to pray this prayer with me. Just say, God, I know that I've sinned and I've been in a state of rebellion against you, but I believe that Jesus died on the cross so I could be forgiven. And I know that his blood washes away my sin and makes me clean. I believe that he rose again from the grave and is victorious over sin and death and that through him I can be victorious. God, I wanna follow you. I submit my life to Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me, even when I was a rebel and a wretched sinner. But God, you changed me. Lord, you lift me up. And so I give you my life and I'm gonna honor you from this day forward as my master and my savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Everyone said, amen. And listen, if you prayed that prayer this morning, I wanna celebrate with you. And we're gonna recognize what God is doing in your life just by giving you a round of applause and celebrating that. Um, So if you prayed that prayer, I want you to shoot your hand up on the count of three. One, God loves you. Two, he is the best person to serve and submit to. Three, if you pray that prayer, just shoot your hand up. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's great. That's great. That's great. I love it. Thank you. That's great, man. I love it.